0: Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Julia, Amanda's on vacation, and this is episode 203, Your Urban Legends, part 40. I know we say in every Urban Legends episode that we can't believe how many of these we've done, but 40, 40 seems like so many, right? And we are able to make these incredible Urban Legends episodes plus a bonus one every month for our patrons because of the support of our patrons. So we want to thank our newest patrons, Renegade and Jennifer, as well as our supporting producer level patrons, Philip, Alicia, Allison, Deborah, Hannah, Jen, Jessica, Keegan, Nezelkins, Landon, Liz, Megan, Megan Linger, Megan Moon, Molly, Neil, Nikki, Philfresh, Polly, Riley, Sarah, and Skyla, and our legend level patrons, Audra, Chelsea. Kelsey, Drew, Eden, Francis, Jack Marie, Lada, Livy, Mark, Morgan, Necrofancy, and Be Me Scotty. Normally in the introduction, this is when Amanda asks me if I have anything that I'm reading or listening to or watching lately. And Jake and I just finished watching The Haunting of Blind Manor, which I super enjoyed. I know it's a little controversial, the ending, but I really, really liked it. I just like gothic horror as a whole. But if you like that and you like The Haunting of Hill House, I definitely recommend checking out, especially for Halloween, the movie Oculus, which is made by the same team. And oh boy, it is good. It is scary. You will develop probably a fear of mirrors after that, and I won't blame you. But check it out if you like spooky, scary stuff. And if you like spooky, scary stuff, our live show is happening on Wednesday, October 28th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard. It is going to be so much fun. I am currently putting together the slideshow as we speak, but if you like creepy, cool stuff, if you like creating mythology and folklore and urban legends whole cloth, then you are going to definitely want to come to this virtual live show. And if you can't make it at that specific time, your ticket includes a copy of the video on demand. So you can just buy the ticket and watch it whenever you want. It's available whenever. Come join us. It's a great way to start your Halloween season, get the weekend going a little bit earlier. I know a lot of people can't do the usual parties and stuff that they're doing or go trick-or-treating, but this is a great way to hang out with your friends. We're your friends. And talk about some creepy, cool stuff just in time for Halloween. And hey, if you're eligible to vote in the US, please do make a plan today at vote.gov. The deadlines are coming up for requesting ballots by mail or changing your address So make your plan today. You can figure out if in your state you can vote early or where you need to go to vote if you're going to vote in person. It's really important. This election is going to determine a lot of stuff for our future. And we really, really encourage you to add your voice and vote. So, without further ado, please enjoy episode 203, Your Urban Legends, part 40.
1: Everybody, we have now, with this recording, just about one-fifth of these episodes now are Urban Legends episodes. What do we think about that?
0: That's wild.
1: Right. Four times five is two hundred and this is episode two oh something or other.
0: Yeah. That sounds like math. For sounds sure. Sounds like
1: math. We don't do a lot of math here, so Mm-mm. you know, doing our best.
0: Ideally no math in these podcasts. Except oh. when it's like, um, you know,
2: a great apartment with a great deal plus one haunting equals no apartment. Yes. That's the kind of equation that Correct. I'm here for.
0: Unless it's New York and then it's just one Fair fairly enough. good apartment, hopefully yeah. priced well.
1: I mean sometimes we wanna like add the number of ghosts and divide it by the number of hauntings mm. and then mm. subtract Fair. the wow, number okay. of cold gusts of wind. <laughs> and then you've pemdazzed your how how spooky the situation is.
0: We've said too many math words and now I am sad. <laughs> so let's tell some scary stories.
1: <laughs> Luckily, since we're we keeping the combo going. Uh-oh. <laughs> I've got a story about a kind of creepy, kind of cool university. Oh. Which is where I think some people learn math.
0: <laughs> some people. Some people <laughs> definitely do. I was not one of them. I took in college, I had to take a math course as like one of my like core classes. And I ended up taking a logic class where it's just like we read mystery novels basically and they're like all right so let's figure out the logic behind how this you know sherlock holmes discovered this fact and was like excellent this is the only facts. kind of math i want to learn
1: i did the same thing and then when i transferred schools they were like that's not math enough for this school, <laughs> so you have to take another math course Boo. which i never attended except for the tests and managed to pull a nice B minus in Psych. and that worked out really well. One time everyone did so badly on the test, the professor just gave us all a mulligan.
0: Wow. Nice. That's a win.
1: Which I mean, honestly, like if everyone does as bad, like the, I think the average grade was like a 48, which I mean, I think that says something about how well we were prepared mm-hmm. than, than how hard the test was.
2: I just wish that anybody told me I didn't have to try my hardest all the time in school. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing that when I got to college or when, you know, I was like in the workplace and taking exams and stuff, people were like, oh, yeah, no, you know, I only needed like X grade on the final to pass. So I I only, you know, got that much. And I was like, wait, what? Like you could do you can do anything except lay awake at night stressing out about getting an A minus instead (laughs) of an A in
0: like a given assignment. What? Uh, Yeah, that would have been nice, huh?
2: All right, Eric. But I want to hear about this uh, university story, please. Yes, this comes to us from Kay,
1: and she writes, Hi, y'all. I'm a huge fan of your podcast and especially enjoy your hometown urban legend section. Well, you're in luck, (laughs) despite (laughs) the fact that I'm very scared of spooky things. I'm writing today to let you know about my kind of creepy, kind of cool university, Rowan University, located in South Jersey in a small town called Clasborough, which has its roots in glassworking business.
0: Mm, Okay, okay.
1: I work in the school's library and occasionally with a historical group which works on collecting and organizing information on the history of the town and the university. One cool thing I discovered is that in June 1968, President Lyndon B. Johnson and Premier Alexei Kozgin of the USSR met in the Hollybush mansion on the Rose campus to discuss the relations between the two countries.
0: We love librarians on this podcast. Anyone who is a librarian gets a a pass with us.
1: It was called the Glassboro Summit Conference. A fun fact that the university likes to share about the mansion is that the two chairs used by Koslin, I don't know this, this premier of the USSR, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name, and LBJ were taken from the mansion when the president left. These chairs were heirlooms of the mansion's owners and very important, so they contacted the White House to see if they could get them back. After a few months, the White House returned the replicas of the chairs to the mansion. The actual chairs are still in Washington, D.C. What a weird move. What an absolutely strange move.
0: Yeah. I think it's Kozingen, according mm. to Wikipedia.
1: Well luckily the rest of the story doesn't have to go excellent that have right. to do with it. And now we're moving on to the spooky stuff. That's awesome. just some that's just some fun facts about Rowan College. Rowan it. University.
0: Great. It's got a great name. I'm excited to learn more about it.
1: I apologize to the premiere of the USSR, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it fell two years after I was born, so I'm not too concerned about it. Now on to the spooky stuff. We have several haunted buildings on campus, not by premieres of the USSR, mm. but the oldest is Bunce Hall. Here we go, everybody. You ready? September fourth, nineteen twenty. Nope, 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 nope. Was nope. the first time students attended the school in Bunce Hall. Back then, it was called Glassboro Normal School. <laughs> you know, I love a good, I love a good normal school. Someone, oh,
0: someone wrote in and told us what this means.
1: There is a theater in Bunce Hall, Toehill Theater, which is named after Elizabeth Toehill, a former drama arts teacher. Allegedly, her spirit attends every practice and show that goes on in the theater, and her spirit has been seen walking the halls at nights. Students have said they've experienced flickering lights, doors opening and closing on their own, and strange feelings of both good and evil spirits. Mm. I can say that I have attended two classes in Bunz, and it's certainly creepy, but I've never experienced anything too spooky. What makes the building even creepier, though, is that there are allegedly tunnels built below the building Mm. and the front lawn. Apparently, the tunnels have been sealed off, or maybe they never existed in the first place. Mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm, existed. Definitely Regardless, that seems pretty spooky.
0: Checking in. Normal schools are schools that people went to, to become teachers.
2: Mm. Ooh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the normal job. You know, hang on. It is. <laughs> I'm looking up the etymology. Oh, of, of, of obviously, normal? it's an English. No, yes, Eric, because it's an, an English S- pronunciation of a French word. Of course. Well, I thought
1: you might be looking up the pronunciation of the, the, uh, uh, teacher to see if teacher and normal had some mm-hmm. relation.
2: Mm-hmm. Normal means just
0: just does mean normal in French.
1: <laughs> so that doesn't that hasn't cleared it up at all.
0: No, oh. all right, hold on, hold on. Normal school is an institution created to train high school graduates to be teachers by educating them in the norms of pedagogy and curriculum. There you go. So they're teacher training colleges. You know what, France? I'll let it slide. This one time in France. (laughs)
1: This one time. But look out. (laughs) Finally, I wish to tell you a story about my friend's haunted dorm from last year. So we've got we've got something from 1923 Mm -hmm. and also last year. Once (laughs) again, too many specific dates. Yeah. Almost immediately after moving in the building, my friend said it gave off strange vibes, and after mentioning it to their RA, they confirmed that the building was most likely haunted. You know, just your standard RA stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, pro- it's probably haunted. Classic. I'm a junior, so like, I speak with authority.
2: <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, I-, I thought my RA was such an authority and like a grown up worldly person. And then I was like, wait, your grown ass boyfriend was living with you in the dorm room that my college provided to you for free.
0: And like, that's not allowed or or th- th- very adult. But you are 20, so I have to trust your judgment. Exactly.
1: They claimed that they would sometimes hear laughing or strange noises, though I would always what a what a mm. strange thing to hear at a college dorm. <laughs> <laughs> though I would always mention that they did live in a college dorm, so <laughs> yep. it was probably just the neighbors. Yep, they're that hosted on my open tart from jumping to conclusions on that sentence. My friend once told me that she was sitting in her room when a figure walked past her open door, looking like it was going from the living room to the bathroom. My friend got up to say hello, assuming it was her roommate. Only when she got to the hall, there was no one there. Her roommate was still sitting in the living room on her computer. No one else was in the apartment. Later in that year around spring break, my friend noticed that a knife had gone missing in the apartment, which was concerning, uh, but not a major problem.
0: I mean, until it ends up in your back.
1: They joked with me that the ghost had probably stolen it. Later that night, my friend was asleep and she woke to hear a thump in the dark. Opening her eyes, she saw a shadowy figure near her bed. At that moment, she was convinced the ghost had come with the stolen knife to get her. Thankfully, nothing more happened, and my friends no longer live in that apartment, though even though after moving out, they never found that knife. Well, thanks for listening. Stay creepy. Stay cool.
0: So like one of their roommates almost definitely broke the knife or did something with it accidentally and threw it out, and they were like, oh, no, the knife went missing
1: I mean a lot of things can happen to a knife mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like true. what uh ghost ghost uh-huh. ghost is the number one that could uh-huh. happen to mm-hmm. a knife
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. falls between the cabinets and the stove while you're cutting vegetables perhaps
1: I mean maybe you're maybe your roommate murdered someone and hit it
0: that's very possible as well to
1: hide the evidence
2: just saying lot lot lots of things could happen with a knife
0: are they missing a whole outfit because it was covered in blood perhaps I don't know
2: yeah I did recently uh, buy my first like knife that cost more than ten dollars, and it it was. Half because I couldn't really figure out how to sharpen it properly, and all the sharpening places in Brooklyn are currently closed because of COVID. Um, and also partially because I was like, I am, I am an adult now uh, with at least a little bit more disposable income than I used to have, and I can, I can buy a knife that is not from IKEA.
0: That is true. You can. I love having nice knives. I got Jake a really nice like. Um, like almost like butcher knife for his birthday this year. And it's so nice. He named it Loretta. It's great. I love that knife. <laughs> I have a, like what a person did after they moved home from college. So keeping the combo alive. Ooh. Okay. This is from Morgan. And she titled the email, you've heard of Haunted Froyo, now get ready for Haunted Newspapers. Have we heard of Haunted Froyo? Yes, it was a while back,
2: but we did have a Haunted Froyo place. It sounds vaguely familiar. Yes. One of our food ghosts. Mm
0: -hmm. So Morgan writes, hello, my dudes, I've been a conspirator for about a year and a half, and I fall more in love with the show with each episode. Oh. I'm about to move to Boston, or if you're reading this after September 1st, just moved to Boston for grad school. But I grew Congrats. up in a Dallas suburb and moved back after college because student loans are a bitch. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, I didn't grow up with any local ghost stories or urban legends, though they've always fascinated me. It wasn't until I got a job with a local newspaper chain after college that I found a story worth mentioning to y'all. The company I just finished working for produces five weekly newspapers and a monthly magazine. Our main office is in Wiley, the biggest of the cities we cover, but we used to have one in a tiny town called Farmersville. Our staff just isn't big enough to warrant two offices, so it sat empty for years while my former bosses tried to sell it. It's a gorgeous building. Built in 1888, the structure is two stories tall and made of stone, complete with big, rounded windows at the front. It was originally a Masonic lodge for a local chapter of the Freemasons, which makes it inherently spooky to me. There's nothing scarier than deeply rooted misogyny. Isn't it true? Which is true. When I first started at the paper, my editor told me that a cantina used to sit next to the old Masonic Lodge. She and her youngest son are sensitive to spirits, and apparently her son has seen ghostly figures gathered where the cantina used to sit. Both have seen orbs multiple times, especially on the second floor of our old office. A co-worker who used to work in the building said she'd hear strange noises on the nights she stayed late. However, I'm not so sure I believe in ghosts. Maybe it's the remnants of my Baptist upbringing that I've since rejected, but I also absolutely believe in energies, whether it's of a place or a person. Fast forward to July of this year. I had a meeting in Farmersville, and since my editor knew that I need a microwave for my Boston apartment, she gave me the key to the office to see if I wanted the one there. My meeting ended as the sun was setting, and I parked out front and FaceTimed my best friend to give her a tour. You know, as you do with friends, you just take them to creepy buildings on FaceTime and show them. That's what we would do, Julia. Yes, it is true. I went in through the side door, a big wooden affair that creaked loudly as the key turned. Old, dusty desks and piles of newspapers filled the back half of the office. And it had that distinct old building smell that I actually love. I peeked into the two bathrooms and they had those round mirrors that houses in horror movies usually have. Mm -hmm. gilded edges and black markings on the glass. As I made my way to the front, I passed a huge old-fashioned safe just sitting in the middle of the hallway like someone was interrupted in the middle of moving it. At this point, my FaceTime call dropped. Logically, I knew it was because I'd lost cell service, but I had several bars when I walked in, so the suddenness startled me. As for the microwave, it was far too big for my tiny apartment counters, but I will say that it was awfully eerie standing in a kitchen that was clearly abandoned, yet had plates and forks sitting out like someone was expected. <sighs>
2: Don't Mm, like that. mm.
0: Don't like that one bit. I passed three or four doors on my way out. One was to the upstairs area and the others were likely storage closets. Now, I'm not sure if it was because I'd gone in expecting something spooky could happen or if it was my propensity for picking up energies, but I felt an unbearable urge to open all the doors. It was like they were just begging to be unlocked. I needed to see what was behind them and to break down the door to the staircase and go upstairs. There was something that needed to be discovered. But I've listened to every single episode of Spirits. I know better than to go opening doors in abandoned buildings, especially when I'm the only one there. Instead, I decided to yeet out of there and leave a quarter at the door as an offering just in case. I'm not sure if ghosts exist, but it never hurts to respect the dead. This
1: ties in very nicely with with a thread on the Spirits Facebook group that I don't know if you guys saw about this this house with a spooky door. Oh, the hidden door. They were remodeling a house and there was a door hidden behind a wall, and everyone was like, Eric would say, "Don't open that door. Ignore the door." <laughs> and I just I'd like to I'd like to clarify a few things. Okay. Ignore the problem is the solution I recommend when the problem might go away. If you hear a spooky <laughs> sound and you just stay in bed and you don't keep hearing the spooky sound, no need to investigate further. <laughs> if you are in a house that you own and <laughs> you are remodeling it and there's a door there, that door ain't going away. You've got to open that door. Mm-hmm. Like That is that is directly in front of you evidence of something happening. That is not the kind of thing of like, well, can't remodel this part of the house. We just got to ignore it. <laughs> we just got to ignore this creepy door. <laughs> That's not when ignoring is the solution. I just want to be very clear about when it is and isn't appropriate to ignore spooky situations.
0: To finish up with Morgan, she finishes. As I glanced up the second floor on my way to the car, I caught a glimmer of something shiny in a window. Maybe it was one of the last sunbeams of the day but maybe it wasn't. I had the overwhelming feeling that I was being watched as I drove away. I'm sure y'all know the feeling, hair standing on the back of your neck, goosebumps, a gut instinct that you need to turn around now. I didn't though. I kept my eyes on the road and turned up my music. The feeling only faded once the building was out of eyesight. Creepily and coolly, but mostly creepily yours, Morgan, a.k.a. your new favorite bisexual soon-to-be librarian. Incredible. Thank you, Morgan. So I appreciate that Morgan followed your advice there, Eric, because she, you know, ignored the feeling that didn't Mm -hmm. need to be investigated and just drove away.
2: Exactly. Very, very smart. Incredible. You know, sometimes it is not a question of whether you should, um, you know, engage with or ignore a haunting, but instead someone who actively brings a haunting down upon you. Mm. Oh boy. This is a short but very sweet email that comes to us from Ryungse, who writes, Hey everybody, I love spirits. This is a short email, but I thought it'd be really interesting. It's from a story my dad told me growing up and it's about spirit binding. My dad said that in his childhood village in a southeastern province of Cambodia, there was a middle-aged man in the village who was known to have the ability to bind spirit. My dad said that this uncle, in many Asian countries we refer to any middle-aged man as uncle, can bind any kind of spirit of the deceased, recently deceased, ancient ghost, died young, elderly, etc. to any object of choice. Hmm. His usual go-to is an unassuming plank of wood often used for building houses because those can be left against the walls of village homes and not seem out of place. I have a lot of questions. But hold on. Yeah, okay.
0: Because what if that that is used in actually building someone's home and now you have a spirit bound to this plank of wood that is now someone's house? It's a great question. Um, And
2: while this ability sounds frightening, the village never shunned him. He was a friendly guy who loved to joke around with the kids and go drinking with the other men. They do, however, warn visitors and kids not to insult or anger him. Because if he's irked enough, he will bind a ghost to an everyday object and hide it at your home to let the ghost haunt the place for a while. It nope. has done so before to people who cause trouble to him or his neighbors. Oh, God. No. Bad. Bad idea.
1: This is, I don't know, this feels like a, a step beyond a fun prank.
2: Yes. It sounds incredible because like, listen, guys, when you're stuck together, there are only so many things you can do. You know, you if you have a problem with people in the village and you all live in the village and no one wants to leave, it's like, what are you going to do? But this is the most wonderful, I think,
0: uh, slow burn revenge I've ever heard. I love it so much. Oh Yeah, I was I was thinking about I read a great thread about like, ways to mess with people who have wronged you that like doesn't cause them like any physical harm or anything like that, but is more of a nuisance. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately, like what the best ways of going about that are. This is a great supernatural way of going about it. My personal favorite is the idea that you take in like boxes of instant mashed potatoes and then spread (laughs) it across people's lawns so that when it rains, all of a sudden their lawn is just instant mashed potatoes.
2: Oh, my God. I love that.
0: It's very good. Well, just to wrap up the story, um, the old
2: uncle never married or had any kids to our knowledge and didn't pass on this knowledge or ability. But follow-up story. When I was living in Indonesia, my dad's phone got stolen one time. In my annoyance over this, I texted to the number, go die. I know I was very immature. I was 15, (laughs) to be be clear. I was surprised when I got a reply that said, if I die, I will come haunt you.
0: (gasps) After getting over
2: the audacity of this thief actually responding, I remembered the story of the old uncle. Wanting the last word, I texted back, good, I'll add you to my collection. And got no more responses afterward.
0: Good. What a great reaction. What a great response.
2: Ryung say, I think that is the best um, response to a phone theft and also to just like someone saying something unsettling that I have ever heard before. I'm going to file it away in my library. And thank you so much for telling.
0: Fantastic.
2: (laughs) All right, everybody. I, after that wonderful comeback, I'm a little bit parched and I think I need a refill. Who wants to join me? Sounds good.
0: Our sponsor this week is Skillshare. You've heard us talk about Skillshare before. It is a online learning community where you can grow your creativity and learn new skills. And I'm a lifelong student. I always want to learn new skills. So I am diving into stuff that is a little bit more relaxing but allows me to, you know, flex those creative muscles, which is why this week I tried start drawing 3 fun freeing exercises to spark your creativity because sometimes you just get bogged down in the idea of oh, I have to create something for work and it's just not hitting those buttons in my creativity. So sometimes it's easier to kickstart it by doing something you're not super skilled at, but at the same time, It's really freeing to just doodle every once in a while and it gets those creative juices flowing. And that's what this class by Carly Cun is all about. She also has a really cute dog in a lot of her videos and that's a big selling point for me. So if you would like to take a class that is curated specifically for learning, which means there's no ads, they're always launching new premium classes and you can stay focused and follow wherever your creativity takes you for less than $10 a month with an annual subscription, you should explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash Spirits. And the first thousand people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare premium membership. Again, that is Skillshare.com spirits. And the first thousand people to use our link get a free trial of Skillshare premium membership. Try it out today. I think you're really going to enjoy the classes. If you're someone like me who gets stressed out by the idea of kind of everything falling on your shoulders all at once and not being able to talk to someone about these things that are stressing you and causing you anxiety and maybe causing you depression, you should check out BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a secure online counseling service that will help assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. My current therapist is going on maternity leave, and I was really, really nervous about not being able to talk to someone for the next couple months while she's, you know, having a baby and taking care of it. But thankfully, I could turn to BetterHelp, which gets me communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours and has a broad range of expertise available that might not be like locally available in many areas. And also, I don't really want to go and sit in a room right now during a pandemic. BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account any time and send a message to your counselor. It doesn't matter what time you want to do it. You can do it whenever. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you don't have to like sit uncomfortable in a waiting room as with traditional therapy. They are committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it really easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available if you need it. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can read their reviews at betterhelp.com reviews. And if you visit betterhelp.com spirits, that's better, H-E-L-P.com spirits, you can join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp lately that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And there is a special offer for spirits listeners to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com spirits. Speaking of your mental health, we do talk a lot about how physical and mental health are super important, but What about your sexual health? You're going for walks or doing squats in your apartment like me or meditating, but you need to take care of your whole self. So why not prioritize your pleasure along with your body and mind? That's why I use Dipsy. Dipsy is a audio app full of short, sexy stories and wellness sessions that are designed to turn you on and help get in touch with yourself. The stories are super relatable and immersive. You're gonna feel like you're right there. And there's something for everyone, whoever or whatever you're into. I don't know if they have a sexy Mothman one yet, but they should get on that. That's all I'm saying. They also add new content every week so there's always more to explore. You can find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger or getting closer to that sexy yoga instructor that you can't stop thinking about or even stories about trying a new toy together. The wellness sessions can help you unlock new confidence or heighten intimacy with your partner and they add new stories every week so you'll never get bored. So spice things up today with Dipsy. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash spirits. Again, that's a 30-day free trial when you go to D I P S E A stories.com slash spirits. There's no reason not to try it out. Dipsystories.com slash spirits. And now let's get back to the show.
1: So I have been drinking a uh, ransack the universe mm. Indian pale ale. I'm uh wrapping up the nice warm weather with uh, my final Maybe a nice summery beer for for a little bit as we as we start to chill down and, and cool, get switched to to stout mode, to porter mode. Mm. It's from Collective Arts, a lovely new brewery that I've had a few things from. They have something called uh, Head in the Clouds. I think that was also really good that I had this summer. Nice.
2: So, yeah. I'm also kind of. Clinging to the last weeks of uh, summery drinking weather, and there is a place right near my house in the studio, actually called Saint Agrestus, um, which is a like uh, aperitif and digestif distillery, I guess. I don't know what the right noun is. Uh, Right here in Greenpoint. And they make amazing like Negronis to go, like a Negroni bag in a box, like wine box style thing. Um, They make spritzers and it's very, very tasty, very like sophisticated feeling, like herbal, you know, tastes. And I'm not usually the person to go for the Julia style, like extremely herbaceous cocktail. So Mm. this is sort of like just enough for me. And you can have a little bit with like some seltzer or on its own. Um, And it's just like a nice sort of uh, treat to keep around.
0: You know, I've been trying to try new flavors. Usually I'm not a huge fan of coconut, but Jake is. And so I we've been like splitting six packs lately because it's just easier than buying like one thing that I really like and one thing he really likes. I just had an extremely good beer from Oscar Blues called Death by Coconut. And honestly, like, it, again, I'm not like a big coconut person. I'm usually not into like porters or stouts, but this one is delicious.
1: Julia's a small coconut person. She likes... She doesn't like a huge coconut. She you has know, like a little coconut. You know, I She's don't She's also
0: very short. <laughs> yes. I'm a small coconut person. And my issue with coconut is a texture thing, not really a flavor thing. So mm. I I'm down for a little bit of coconut flavor every now and again.
1: Gotcha. I like all coconut things.
2: I've been watching enough seasons of um Oh my god, wait, no, I was gonna talk about Survivor and how they eat coconuts all the time. Guys, are you watching Bake Off right now? No, yes, not yet. Yes, Schneider. Can you tell me what the fuck a mango filled macaroon is?
1: Oh, I was, I was like, I know what this will look like, and then they showed, I no. go, I don't know what that is.
2: It looked like a cheese danish. It was a macaroon, but it, but like donut shaped and filled with shit. Europe, please answer me. What the fuck is this?
1: They were making a, a conversation about it, where there's a macaron, which is one o, and this is a macaroon yes. with two o's, which yes. makes it different. And I think, I think Noel on the show was, was saying eventually there'll be something with three O's and that'll be a different <laughs> thing as well.
2: No, but even compared to, to, in my mind, normal coconut macaroons, shredded yeah. coconut, right? It's in a little like pyramid shape, mm-hmm. delicious, adorable. No, these ones are filled with shit and I've never seen that before. And it I was, was very so... Strange. I was so blown aback. Julia, when you watch it, please let me know your thoughts. Also, UK slash Europe. I, I really need to know the fuck. Like, is this something that you have? We don't have that in the US.
1: Me and Kelsey were also talking about like how they have names for every cookie. Yes, like, they do. They, every, like they got so many different kinds of ah, cookies. Ah, yes, the Battenberg. I... No, that's a
0: cake. Why? Ah, yes, the Linzer. Well, listen, I've heard of a Linzer tart before. But the, but
1: they're also but they're also like oh my, my favorite type of the battered bear growing up was this <laughs> like they have like types they ah uh, yes Nan's biscuit <laughs> they have they have like a whole genus phylus system for
2: every cookie they really there. do it's it's mind boggling we have a whole Linnaean classification oh. and every biscuit has to have a snap Eric otherwise oh, what the I fuck are we doing snap. here I hate it I don't like snappy
1: cookies i I was like i was like here's the cookies we have in america snickerdoodle peanut butter sugar frosted sugar chocolate chip oatmeal raisin uh maybe maybe one more that's it and they're all circles chocolate they're simple Yeah. yeah yeah like a double chocolate chunk yeah but like we don't have like all these fancy names and yada 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 with all our all our biscuits. It's it's mind-boggling. but I think we're, we're we are bearing the lead on Bake Off. This is the Bake Off half of the show. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, Don't don't take the podcast out too early. What was up with those heads
0: in I episode know, one? I know. It's a. It's a strong entrance to the season. This is this is an Animal Crossing thing again, where it's like, you guys go off. And I'm sure I'm going to watch this eventually, but oh my Julia, God.
1: They had to make heads of famous people out of, I don't know, cake.
2: They had to make cake portraits in week one. Bad idea. Oh, bad, bad idea.
1: Very bad idea. Someone made Tom DeLonge from like
2: 182. What?
1: What? <laughs> What? <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever seen on this show. Very it was good. terrible. Someone also made someone also made a Freddie Mercury, which Kelsey couldn't identify. And I was like, it's Buck Teeth, a man with a mustache and a yellow jacket. He was jacket. very cute. Like... I
2: liked that one a lot. That's the my favorite The only contestant. one
1: that looked remotely good was Charles Darwin, because they just made it gray. It looked just beard. Uh, terrible to eat. I'm sure it tasted fine, but it was just gray. A gray cake is a, the wrong color for cake. Anyways, we've got At least three more stories to get to. So let's, let's stop talking about cakes.
2: My final comment is just on, we love a soft cookie here in America, and Brits need the snap in their cookie. Mm-mm. And I I just think that Brits hate pleasure. And mm. for that reason, their their pastries taste like fucking anise and, and all kinds of bizarre uh, savory slash herby flavors that I would never put in baked goods. Um, and it's just, it's as an American watching the show, it is so funny to be like, wait, why the fuck are there like p- sesame seeds in your dessert? And anyway, it's... uh. It's it's a whole hypothesis that I have, um, but that is my final word. Also,
1: they put them in an NBA bubble. They bubbled
2: Bake Off. They bubbled Bake Off. Listen, impressive. both the NBA and Bake Off are working much better than the NFL are, is right now. So I, I think it's a very good idea.
1: And just most other governments. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Oops. All right. Let's uh let's get back to the wonderful soothing world of uh of mild haunting, please.
1: I, I, I'm going to just break the combo because oh, I no. think we successfully did that with literally five minutes of bake-off That's conversation. Fair. That's valid. With a, with, a, with a story by Sophia titled, I Haunted a Church and a Religious Ghost. Ooh. Sophia writes, the first thing is to tell you this isn't an urban legend, but I think this is the kind of thing that you guys would enjoy and I'd like to think that in the last 100 years people will remember me. Well, I love that.
0: I love that. Or at least
1: my petty demonic antics. (gasps) Oh my God. I'm so into it. I'm an atheist, but I respect religions. Promise. Gotcha. (laughs) But I still went to church every week for a hefty amount of time because I'm a Cub Scout leader and an Explorer Scout, which was held in a church and church hall. There is always a bunch of crosses, you know, as churches do. So every time I was in there, I would go around and turn every single cross upside down. Now you did say I respect religion, and then do this. So I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you because you're not here to defend yourself. But uh... yeah. anyways, I never did anything else. But I do know that it freaked out the vicar. Who is honestly such a chill guy? Well, yeah, of course it would freak out. It would freak out anybody. I've not done it in almost a year. I really hope the vicar feels victorious over Satan. <laughs> now, hold on, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back on Sophia's side because maybe the vicar feels victorious over Satan. That, mm-hmm. That's there that's you a, go. That's, that's nice. Yeah.
0: Maybe maybe like God sent her to make this vicar feel like he's doing good. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I've got another one, which is a wee bit more spirity. I live in a house which is over 300 years old. Dang. That's impossible. No building is that
0: old. <laughs> That's not true. But we only
1: moved in six years <laughs> ago. in America, anyway. I mean, I, was, I would hope that it was a believable number in which you've moved in. But we only moved in 200 years ago.
0: Listen, Paul Revere's house still is in Boston. And that was built 300 years ago. <laughs>
1: We were watching a House Hunters episode where they were in Boston, and it's there shouldn't be houses that old. I'll tell you that much. They should have just torn down every historical building at some point and just started afresh.
0: My college roommate, uh, she recently moved down to Charleston, but before that, she moved into this really, really nice apartment uh, in the North End, which is like the um, very Italian part of the neighborhood, but also like very old part of the neighborhood. It's the church where Paul Revere held uh, hung the lantern in in mm-hmm. the window so that people knew the, like, the British are coming one if I land yes if I the one if I land too if I see It's not how
1: the word titular works I know
0: the north end is where that church is and uh, I went to go visit her to like see her new place and she's like yeah all right just uh find some street parking uh, not a lot of people park across the street from me so you could probably just park there I'm like oh awesome and I pulled in across the street from her apartment and, and I looked to the left where her apartment was and then I looked to the right and was a cemetery and I was like oh okay that makes sense yeah okay <laughs> Sounds great to me. It was just like, it's just like fully a cemetery, which also, I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a tangent. When I was in history classes in Boston, the North End is also um, a place where they have a lot of grave robbing, like during the, I don't know, like the eight, 70s, 80s, around that time. And
1: 19? The 1970s and 80s? Yes. And Wait, what? Yeah. Well, hold on. No, hold no. On. Okay.
0: It wasn't like people like <laughs> fully robbing bodies or anything, but just like uh, tombstones would go missing.
1: Okay. Okay. Not that good, but better than what I was thinking.
0: (laughs) And they just like could not, for the life of them, figure out where these tombstones were going. And these are like tombstones from the 16 and 1700s, and like really old stone. Yeah. And they finally were able to figure out where these stones were going. Because people were ordering like pizza pies and bread. And they're like, why are these like letters and numbers on the the pizza and the bread? And it's because they were using them for baking for like pizza stones and stuff like that. This
2: must be an urban legend.
1: I I have also heard this story. So I'm willing to say it is somewhat true. Because I remember hearing that there were a bunch of like pizza places that were using like tube stones.
2: I mean, I think that's dope. If you, if, if the providence is pure, you know, to use it, uh, I would order from that place. That's great.
1: So back to the story while Julia Googles pizza places. The house I live in was built to be the vicarage to the village church in the 1700s. When we moved in there, there was a couple of really beautiful old leather bound books that were probably about 100 years old. And this huge would be beautiful Bible that is original to the house. Anyway, we moved in and took the Bible out of the dining room and put it in the living room because it just fits the aesthetic in there a bit more, and a bunch of weird stuff started happening. It started with people dropping things all the time, but there was never no reason for it, and one day there were three cups that were smashed in one day, including my favorite mug. Oh no! So that was kind of dodgy, and the lights in the dining room blew. Then, we were in the living room, and both my dogs looked straight at the Bible on the bookshelf and they would just stand in the doorway of the dining room and bark while staring at it in the corner. We eventually put the Bible back in the dining room, and all the things stopped. And since then, our house ghost hasn't done anything that I'm aware of, but I still think it's cool that they tried to stick to their religion even in death.
2: Right on. I feel like a a holy book, um, no matter what, which book it is, is definitely a, you know, weighted object spiritually
0: well i picked this next one mostly because jake and i have been doing a lot of like hiking and nature trails lately and also to start off halloween month we watched the blair witch project so this email caught my attention and it's from sarah and she titled the email a lovely camping trip when you ignore the blair witchery and all the cursed rocks okay
1: i mean true for most camping trips
0: It's true. So Sarah writes, Hey, y'all, newish but avid listener to Spirits and other Multitude shows. You drew me in with the mythological subject matter, and I've stayed because of your guys' humor. Anyway, the story. It started with me and my boyfriend lying dead tired in a tent. If the tired wasn't there, that would be a problem. That, that morning we had backpacked into the mountains, but as we hit mile after mile of snow fields, we decided to deviate from our original route. That is why we dropped into a thawed meadow valley cradled on either side by rock and snow. I don't want to get caught up in too many pristine nature descriptors, but I feel like this topography kind of informs my mood of the place. Even writing about the place now, I can't tell if that snowless meadow gave me feelings of an oasis or of confinement. Anyway, that is the setting. As I was falling into sleep, the sounds of the creek gurgling nearby began shifting into music and human voices. Perhaps this is a common hallucination, but my mind would not quit interpreting a conversation out of the babble. I could parse out the voices of a man and a woman calmly talking over music that might have been coming out of stereo speakers. Maybe I would have let those noises drift back into the sound of water if my boyfriend had not turned over to ask if I could hear the music too. <gasps> this affirmation bugged me because when setting up camp earlier, we had seen no one. We did, however, find one sign of old human habitation. There had been something glinting off the trunk of a tree at the edge of the woods. Oh my god, oh my god. It was a fork that some joker had nailed business end down into the bark of the tree. One of its tines was bent in an odd angle and someone had stamped out a mini little keyhole through the upward pointing handle. Since the crooked tines pointed down to a nice patch of flat earth, that was where we set up our tent.
1: The earth is round. Just mm-hmm. Yes. No,
0: I mean like the like the ground was flat there.
1: <laughs> it was there. Twas, twas a joke. <laughs>
0: Other than the fork, all we found in that meadow were throngs of mosquitoes, lovely wildflowers, and the little bleached rib cage and arm bones of a rodent. Okay, please hold. <laughs> um, I feel
2: like this is definitely a, you know, serial killer's um, calling card and like sign to themselves that this is where the bodies are buried. And I would a thousand and one percent never camp there.
0: Okay, finding animal bones in the woods is not an uncommon thing. The The fork?
2: fork? Okay. The,
1: the The fork is weird. Okay. I hate it.
0: Still, it was possible that we were wrong about being alone that night. There could have been some rowdier, unseen group still awake further down the valley. There was a lake somewhere nearby. This was what we reasoned to each other as we lay in the dark. I wouldn't say it got creepy until the next day. You should know that I am fairly skeptical, especially when there is any other non-supernatural answer plausible. In my opinion, there often are other explanations available to people's stories. As much as I love topics in mythology, folklore, cryptids, and ghosts, I'm more compelled by the way humans tell themselves stories than believing in the paranormal aspect of the story itself. That being laid out, here's something I do not have a good explanation for. The next day we woke up soggy and tired. To dry out our shoes and socks, we found a rotted out stump just steps away from our tent. It received pretty consistent sun, so we left out our wet belongings there throughout the day. Periodically, we'd go over to the sun stump to retrieve our shoes and hike around the meadowed valley. That is how, in the morning, we realized the lake was much further than we expected. Unless some group had pitched a tent in the intervening bog, the sounds of voices were probably just the brook. In the sunlight, the area was beautiful. Beautiful. But it did feel like a lonely island because we were too tired to climb back into the snow. Aside from the mosquitoes and the increasing number of deer bones we found, being stranded in that meadow felt more like a mildly pleasant purgatory than anything malevolent. It stayed pleasant until the afternoon when we walked back to Camp Barefoot after icing our joints in the glacial stream. Man, the glaciers, there you go. (laughs) I love a glacier. I walked over to the familiar sun stump to put on my shoes and my stomach just about Dropped. In front of the stump, right by my shoes, was more deer bones bright white jaw bones that I swear were not there the whole time. The stump was only feet from our tent and we had wandered over that area 20 times or more over the course of the day. We could not explain the appearance of those bones, or at least we were not willing to admit that we had failed to notice them all day long. Nor could we explain how at each end of our tent now sat a pile of sizable obsidian rocks. What the? Fuck. <laughs> oh,
1: you know what that That's where I draw the line on what is acceptable.
0: This brand of black volcanic glass is formed in this region. These rocks were obviously moved from their origin point and arranged by human hands. Rock piles are not uncommon, and it is easy to say that some past camper, perhaps the the folk artist, collected and left them. The thing that got me was how close to the tent they had been without us ever noticing them, even when we had cleared the area before setting camp. Anyhow, my boyfriend, who usually comes at issues from a logical angle, Turned to me and said, Maybe it was crows. And they were <laughs> carrying the remains of a deer together and they dropped the bones while we were at the creek? Yeah, crows dropping bleached white face bones from the sky. I'd rather put my money on us being horrendously oblivious or more creepy that we did in fact have something interesting and unseen human neighbors. We did spend one more night under the fork. Why? <laughs> Why would
2: you under do the that? fork? Under
1: the floor.
0: (sighs) Again, as I was lying in my sleeping bag, I heard the voices. There was no music playing, just conversation. This time my boyfriend said nothing. I said nothing. We both fell asleep. It was the next morning that we were packing up camp that he asked if I heard the talking again. He said he didn't hear music, just talking. And he told me this unprompted. This is the part of the story where people get freaked out. Not the earlier parts, guys. This part right here. Not about having the eerie night voices corroborated for a second time, but rather my friends are unsettled by what I did next. I thought that if paranormal shit was going down, then the rocks and bones would mean one of two very different things. Either one, they were bad omens and curses, or two, they were gifts and blessings. I might be a realist most of the time, but it doesn't mean I'm a pessimist. I chose to tell myself a positive story, and they were gifts. I also decided to take them home with me, not the bones. I left those by the stump. <laughs> I packed away the obsidian and we headed back up into the snow fields. Now out of that wilderness, I put those rocks in the window of my apartment. When I told my roommate, also my sister, the story of the mysterious rocks and bones, she wanted me to get rid of them. Logical. <laughs> A logical <laughs> choice. Mm-hmm. She's not the only person to grow uncharacteristically serious and tell me this. If I'm being honest, after receiving those gifts, things in my life have begun to break, for examples. During that trip, holes appeared in my camping equipment. Tent, air mattress, coat, and cracks appeared running up the screens of my electronic devices. Phone, Fitbit. What the fuck? (laughs) My car experienced brake issues the day after the trip. As I swiped a small fortune out of my bank account to cover the repair, my familiar and reputable mechanic stated through me to the door- I like
1: that that sentence sounds like her mechanic might be her familiar. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My familiar, my mechanic.
0: (laughs) Stared through me to the shop floor while saying that he had no clue how much damage could have occurred. My apartment, which admittedly had pre-existing issues, started to grow a darkish mold on the walls of my closet, ruining my clothes. Don't worry, we've since moved. Oh my god. I got laid off the same day I was supposed to go to a funeral for my boyfriend's grandpa, who died shortly after our trip. If you list out only the bad things, it is quite easy to blame black magic rocks. So I'll pivot here and posit a different theory. Bad stuff occurs to those who don't make enough money to buy nice, unbreakable things, or live in not-so-crappy apartments in an expensive-ass city. Maybe that's why I go to the wilderness in the first place, to escape something worse than curses. And sometimes I bring something back with me from those wild places. A memento. Sure, I might display rocks in a window where an inordinate number of flies are now dead and left their scattered carcasses, but I refuse to read life by counting each fallen body. All that to say, I am actually entertaining the idea of returning to those mountains. I might bring those rocks along with me and leave them in that valley, in a whimsical way. If I do go back, then I will leave the rocks arranged outside the door of someone else's tent while they are away from camp. You know, to keep the gift-giving spirit alive. If you do take the time to read this long-ass story, congrats, you finished. Thank you for sticking with me, and thank you for your podcast. Not only does it provide information, but it functions as a forum for some awesome individuals. I hope my story does not deter you from visiting the wilderness. I guess stay spooky, (laughs) do cool shit on mountainsides, don't start a rock collection. Sarah.
2: Holy shit! This might be my favorite urban legend we've read in a long, long time.
0: Yeah, it's That's real good. That's some wild
2: stuff, Sarah. I, it, you
0: should be a writer. It is not deterring me from going back on my wilderness hunts. It is deterring me from staying in the woods overnight,
1: though. The dropping things. This happened to both me and Amanda yeah. in the fa- fast few years, right? Like it yes. seems to be like these. Like people will have like these bouts of just like dropping stuff.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's less scary to me than my other thought, which is, I mean, I got a concussion once and maybe this is just like a thing that happens now in my life. Uh, But I, yeah, I think it's more that getting used to a space or like fucking air pressure or just um, just a, a phase that you go through, I guess.
0: For sure, but I think you're only looking at the spooky things that happen in your life when you have something to like look at it through the lens of spookiness. And I think Sarah sure. brings up a good point in that sense.
2: I know. I listen, Sarah. As much as I want to uh, to yell at you about how spooky that was, I really do love your reading. Um, and I don't know. I think I think you have a good head on your shoulders. But I I do believe that perpetuating this uh, this curse <laughs> slash um, uh, spooky happening and practical joke on fellow hikers. I think would be fantastic, extremely so. Well, if we want to circle back to a, uh, you know, college slash university urban legend, I have one here from Elaine, uh, and it took me a few lines to realize that this is an absolutely wonderful um, in-universe join the party urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> All right, Elaine writes, "Giant crustacean, real? Question mark. Hey spirits, Uh-oh. I have an urban legend for you." I'm an ecology student at a university in upstate New York near Lake Champlain. I didn't grow up around here, but the town's really proud of their bowling alleys, hockey team, and seafood, especially the crawfish. Mm -hmm. The love of the crawfish actually became a big problem as the town started growing in the 80s. The local crawfish population almost went extinct. But it's like their thing. So the mayor commissioned a huge conservation project with the two universities to breed and release crawfish while simultaneously restoring the lake near the docks. It's kind of a cool program run in collaboration between the two schools, ecology and environmental engineering programs. Most of the work is actually done by students for lab credit. Anyway, the legend goes that when the universities started getting bigger in the 90s, there was a period where the biology labs were moved downstairs from the physics labs. Seems like that would have been a problem, but who am I to criticize? (laughs) Occasionally, the crawfish would escape and one escaped while the program was in the physics building. Rumor says that it was found later in one of the physics labs upstairs. Bummer was that it didn't live. It was chewed, or clawed, I guess. It's a legend. Go with me here. through one of the cables in the physics lab, and there was a small explosion. They later found the crawfish in the debris. Everybody was fine. The physics lab was fixed up. They finished construction on the new building and the ecology department moved in there. Though apparently this was the start of a rivalry between our department and the physics department. Like it was our fault we moved to their building, I roll. But here's the thing. (laughs) Ever since that night, there have been sightings in the lake of a giant crawfish. It's so big. Occasionally it comes onto land and the footprints it leaves are supposed to be as big as the holes that a man's fist would leave, and its tail leaves a drag mark behind it like somebody dragging a snow shovel. Mm. Sometimes it'll even leave behind pieces of fish it's eaten or chewed up debris. I always assumed it was some silly urban legend. My roommate's friend River swears up and down that they saw it for real last October. The way they tell the story is that they were in down by the boathouse one night looking for a good spot to release the next batch of crawfish when things started to go down. River saw two guys skulking around the back of the boathouse, one thick but short guy in all leather, and the skinny dweeb who looked really nervous. <laughs> Luckily, River was able to stay hidden the whole time. River says that they stayed there the whole time to record the incident for the police, but that the recording was later confiscated. Parentheses, yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I believe them, but they swear that the guys went into the boathouse and like 10 minutes later, all the lights went out and then this giant crawfish, just like in the legend, exploded out of the boathouse. And that is when River made a break for it. I would have assumed that River was making the shit up, but a lot of weird things happened around town last October. A lot of really weird things. There's a string of bank robberies, a local historian or something like that beat up a bunch of them in a robbery at an auction. (laughs) At the same time, there was this dude who there was documented evidence of ghosts bursting out of his chest. Maybe you should see a doctor about that. Oh my God. Then a panther escaped from a zoo and caused mayhem for like an hour, but then was never seen again. And no one knows what zoo it came from. And some local socialite held a press conference, but did it with a sword at her side and nobody else really members anything other than the sword like i said october was weird oh and i forgot to say in the legend the giant crawfish is called monty and the locals call them the mountain lobsters cheers elaine silver ecology student Morrow college lake town city new york
0: oh man lake town city would have the best urban legends
1: I think we've been had by this one. I
0: think we might have been, yes. <laughs> I I so enjoyed this
2: from uh, from Danielle, who wrote this email from the, the fictional student Elaine Silver. Um, but I, listen, this is incredible. I love it so much. If you don't listen to Join the Party yet, this is all true mythology of our, of our city. And you might enjoy it because it is very mythos-based, very place-based. And a lot of things happen that I think become urban legends in Lake Town City later yeah. on. Or becoming urban legends as we play. Precisely. So Danielle, thank you so much. And uh Julian Eric, thanks for another extremely fun edition of your urban legends for this spookiest of months.
0: The spookiest of months. I I think that this was this was a good grouping of spooky ones. So hopefully it'll uh, appease everyone for the the holiday season.
2: An especially good one uh in in
0: thanks and in spookiness. And uh, everybody keep writing in. We love them. Yeah. And if you want more spooky urban legends for October month, for the spooky month, for the Halloween month, definitely make sure you join our Patreon at the $4 level because you're going to get a bonus urban legends episode on Halloween. What's not to love about that? It's going to be incredible. All right, everybody. And remember, stay creepy, stay cool. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and wellness sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. Start your 30 day free trial by going to dipsystories.com slash spirits. Skillshare is an online learning community where you can learn and teach just about anything. Visit skillshare.com slash spirits and the first thousand people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare premium membership. BetterHelp is a secure online counseling service. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com spirits.